Now, I wonder if you've ever heard of Old Faithful. It's a famous geezer in the Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming in uh, USA. And it's located in an area that's volcanically and seismically active and has been for tens of millions of years. Old Faithful is a spectacular cone geezer, as they call them. And in 2018, Francis, Hannah, Baby, Imogen and I, and I think we've got a picture of us there, visited the Yellowstone uh, Park attractions and we made sure that we got to see Old Faithful, which is just behind there. Now, it was named in 1879 by Nathaniel P. Langford, and he wrote an account of his expedition trip there uh, to Yellowstone and the first geezer that he saw when he got there. It's also, as well as being called Old Faithful, it's also called Eternity's Timepiece because there's a 90% coincident rate, confidence rate, should I say, not coincidence, confidence rate as to when it will erupt. And when I went with the family, large crowds had gathered at a cordoned-off area with their chairs and their cameras and their sunglasses waiting for the next eruption. And it happens about every 44 minutes to, to two hours. And people wait, and then they gasp in wonder when the eruption takes place, and 8,400 gallons of boiling water rise up 145 feet into the air. Let's just take a look at Old Faithful. when you know it's coming, but when you're waiting there, you're just waiting for it to happen, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the water comes up and rises. Some of you may have been there. As an aside, if we're not faithful in reducing global emissions, a rise in temperature in that area could well mean that old faithful's not going to be as faithful as uh, has been in the past, and people won't be able to see the rise of the geezer. They won't be able to wait and gasp in wonder because of factors that might affect it. But we pray uh, that things will continue as they are and we'll get those emissions down. But more about that geezer later. I want you to hold that image in your mind. For Methodists, infant baptism is a symbol of God's grace. It's a gift of God. It's a sign also of belonging to the Christian community. And it's in the context of God's covenant with his people. In Genesis 17, verse 7, we read these words. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you for the generations to come to be your God. And even though little Elisha is sleeping as I speak, <laughs> and he can't speak for himself, he's part of that believing community here 
And there are all sorts of shades of belief in this room. Some may be just asking questions. Some may not believe. Perhaps just come along to be supportive. Others who are believing. But Christians who believe have experienced that God is faithful. And that's the word we're going to be concentrating on today. And that we trust in his steadfast love for his people. And we pray in the context of this service that little Elisha is going to grow up and be faithful in return to his faithful God by honoring his father and his mother, we pray, (laughs) and also by returning love to his creator, living Jesus's lifestyle with the hope of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we've been doing in this service. Baptism, whether it's for adults or for infants, has, for Christians, been a sacrament that's been passed down through the generations. St. Augustine described a sacrament as an outward and visible sign of an inward invisible grace. An outward visible sign of something we pray may go on in the inside. And it says in our Methodist worship book liturgy, and I read these words, we celebrate the life of Christ laid down for us, the Holy Spirit poured out on us, and the living water offered for us. Now, Psalm 89 actually speaks of this covenant that I've been speaking about. The psalmist writes, you said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through the generations. The covenant, this promise between God and God's people, a binding agreement, if you like, has on God's side our maker who will never leave us and forsake us. He will not break that promise. He will be faithful to us. And on our side of the covenant, we are to be faithful in return to him. That's what the covenant's all about. God who is faithful. Now, one man, a young man once told me that in his family line, there had been generations of infidelity. Marriage breakups down that male family line. And even though his own father had been unfaithful to his mother, this guy was determined, with God's help, to break the trend with faithfulness that would keep his family together. I pray that that may be the case for that young man. But the story does highlight the fact that humans often struggle with faithfulness. And unfaithfulness can cause much pain and can affect a lot of people. Now, I'm not just talking about marriage here. I'm talking about faithfulness in the the widest sense. Faithfulness means putting another person first. Whereas selfishness or faithlessness is where self comes first. I recall a story of a man who went into a a photography shop with a framed picture of his girlfriend. And he wanted a copy of the photo. 
So it involved removing the photo from the frame. And the assistant noticed an inscription that was on the back of the photo. Me dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. Signed, Diane. P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. (laughs) (laughs) Faithfulness. It's not easy, is it? I want to ask the question this morning, if we're talking about this covenant relationship, a faithful God and our faithfulness in response, how faithful are you to the God who made you? How faithful are you, for those of you who are married, in your marriage? or to your children, or to other children in our care? How faithful are we to friends and workmates? How faithful are we to the environment, to the poor of the earth? You see, faithfulness, and as I speak, think of our own faithfulness, but also God's faithfulness. Faithfulness is Being steadfast in love, affection and allegiance. It's being loyal, unwavering, a friend. It's being firm in adherence to promises. It's being perseverant and reliable through tough times. It's being conscientious and dutiful. How faithful are we? We all need God's help, let's be honest, to bear the spiritual fruit of faithfulness, because it is one of the spiritual fruit, whether it be faithfulness to others or faithfulness to God. And the Lord God is the one who is faithful to us, who knows our fragility, and yet sent us his son, Jesus Christ, because he wanted us to be able to know forgiveness and wants to help us in all our relationships, including our relationship with him. We want to say we are faithful. We want to be faithful. But it's hard to keep our part of the bargain. We need to be inspired by, equipped by our steadfast God. I want to encourage you to look this morning at how we understand God who through the generations has established faithfulness in heaven itself, it says in the psalm. What's more, those who are damaged by unfaithfulness need healing and to rediscover trust. When someone has been unfaithful in whatever context, there's a breakdown of trust. Mm. And sometimes that might leave you with a sense of shame that needs to be taken away. It might not be of your doing. We need an assurance of love. We need also to know the possibility of new beginnings. Mm. I believe old faithful God can be the fount of blessing if you like, the blessing that we need, and the failures of humanity will never steal his faithfulness from us. Even if we walk away from God, 
and we suffer the consequences for doing that, it's our choice, his love remains faithful forever. Often it's we're the ones that move, it's not God that moves. And if your experiences of life cause you to doubt God's faithfulness for whatever reason, I encourage you to engage in some remembering about God. You see, the people of God over the years look back. When they were going through a tough time, they looked back and they remembered. They remembered when times had been really tough. For example, God had seen them through when they were in exile in Egypt. Do you remember how eventually, not immediately, they found deliverance through a parted Red Sea? Remember the wilderness wanderings. A long time of wondering where their faithful God was, but eventually they arrived in the promised land. Jesus coming as the teacher and preacher with all that promise, and yet he died. But three on the third day, he rose again. Like waiting in Jerusalem, as they were told, wondering when the gift was going to come, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the story of the Christian church, there's often a lot of waiting. And one of the ways they sustained that waiting was looking back and seeing how God had been faithful in the past. And it's often only much later that we see a thread of God's grace running through. We see a thread of God's faithfulness running through our lives, which makes sense when we remember I know that that's been true in my life. Sometimes when you kind of feel that you're thrown into something and you think, oh, Lord, why? How on earth am I going to cope with this? And then looking back, you see how God sustained you in the past. And then when you move on from that date, you look back and say, actually, I can see a thread of God's help and guidance and the peace that he gives you. Well, I wonder if you can think of times that have been really confusing for you. It might even be now. And you think, when is there ever going to be a positive future? Mm. And perhaps you've doubted God's loving presence in your life. Well, what I want to say to you today is keep the faith even when you're hurting. When you don't understand what's going on around you, keep praying. When you feel like giving up, then earnestly seek after God and trust the Lord. And in time, I believe you will experience his faithfulness and his steadfast love. But sometimes we just have to hold on. And I want to say that to us as a church. As we rebuild after COVID, we've seen God's thread of his presence with us over the years. And I believe the best is yet to come, but we have to believe in his faithfulness, but we have to be faithful in return, even when the times are tough. And this was often true for the psalmist. I don't know if you've read through the psalms. One day the psalmist is on top of the world and he's singing praises to God and the next time he's down in the depths. But one of the themes that runs through the psalms is this remembering 
And here in Psalm 89, he remembered well, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Because that was his experience of God in the past. And in the psalm, the writer is promising to sing and speak of God and declare his love alone stands forever, come what may, even when times are difficult. I believe little Elisha's family have the best intentions for him. And as he grows up, they will do their best for Elisha and for Sarai with the help of the godparents. But every parent falls short uh, when we're bringing up children, just as we fall short in every area of our lives at times. But we pray that for Elisha and for all of us, even when those around us make mistakes, he will discover that come what may, there is a God who is faithful and keeps his word and loves him. And we pray that his parents will reflect that love uh, for them to their child so that they may know, that the child, children may know about a faithful God. So we all need to keep remembering God's faithfulness in the past and telling the story. Why do we need to tell the story? Well, there might be someone sitting next to you who doesn't know of God's faithfulness. Unless you retell the story of your experience of God's faithfulness, they will never know. And so that's why in this psalm there's this commitment to telling the story. And it's why in this church we need people who will teach our children and our young people. Because we need to be telling our children and young people of the old, old story of the old faithful God who will see them through. It's why we need sensitive evangelism in the church. Because there are many who've not heard of God's love or experienced the difference that faith can make to them. Our role, I suppose, is rather like those gathering at Yellowstone. Picture the scene, the cordoned off area, waiting. You've heard of faithfulness. And you keep watch. And you expect, uh, you wait expectantly. And then all of a sudden, old faithful faithfulness is revealed. And people gasp in wonder. You could hear it when we watched that video. And then they go away and tell others about it. And then others want to come back and see that old faithful is faithful. Mm. And it's like that with the Christian faith. Mm. God's blessings will well up at times in our lives and we say, wow. But don't keep it to ourselves. The psalmist said, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. And what's more, if we learn that song, we can repeat it during the difficult times and it keeps us going. And that's what people did with the Psalms. They learned the Psalms. And when they needed something to keep them going, they repeated the Psalms because it reminded them of a truth. He, the one who is faithful, is in control. 
over Old Faithful in Yellowstone Park, beyond that and over this fragile earth and all the people in it. For you, says the psalmist about God, all their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. So I encourage you, when the going gets tough, to remember God's faithfulness. Sing those songs, but be faithful in return. Because it's often when we're being faithful that we actually experience God's faithfulness again in our lives. Because that's what he established in heaven itself. And that's what he wants from our covenant relationships, what he wants from Elisha. I'm going to lead us in a prayer It was written by the late Tim Keller, who was a preacher who recently died of cancer, but his faith saw him through that time. And this prayer was inspired by the psalm we've had read. So let us pray together. Lord, my heart often resents your power and questions your righteousness. But when I think I know better than you, I sink under anxiety. How truly blessed are those who've learned to acclaim you. The more I accept your goodness and control of things, the more I can relax. Amen.